Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Here they are then, the seven uh, this week, and we will start with number of runners you should be allowed in a Grand National. Should there be a restriction on any trainer or owner's number of runners? I don't think there should be, personally. I've criticised Michael O'Leary in the past for having a massive field in either the Scottish or the Irish a couple of years ago mm. in the Mirror. But if you've got those horses and they've got those ratings, well, your horses should be able to run. I, I don't like it, personally. I mean, I think any sport is enhanced by a greater number of participants. You know, over the years, the fact that there are so many sons of Galileo and and Sadler's Wells in County Tipperary and not spread around Newmarket has worked to the detriment of the derby and flat racing in general. But if they're your horses, they've got those ratings. I just can't see how one can possibly please this. You can with trainers, but with owners, you say, well, David Yates, you cannot have uh, ten runners in the Grand National. I'd just give two to Nick Luck. Mm. And they'll say, well, they're not mine, they're, they're Nick Luck's. So, for me... I, as I say, I, I don't like it, but I wouldn't put a law in to change it. Daryl, do you be agreeing with that? Um, no, look, it's it's. I think if if an owner has got that sort of you know firepower and you know at the end of the day these horses can only run in 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 certain races because of their handicap or because of their ability. I mean, you know, if if, if an owner how how can you spread them out then? I mean, if he's got the quality and and he wants to run them, I think you've got to let him run them. In. Thing is, if he's got 39 other horses he can run in next year's race, then maybe Tiger Roll will. will <laughs> you know, I mean, as Daryl says, that there are there's only a certain number of opportunities, isn't there? And if uh, yeah. you know, it, also it's, it's, not the the horse, it's not the horse's fault who he's no, owned by. The horse doesn't know who he's. And owned the by. Grand National being the Grand National, you can't say like, oh well, let's not run that. He's no chance. He's a 50 to one shot. Well, 50 to one shots have won the race before. So, as I say, you know, it'd be great if you had 40 different trainers, 40 different owners, but we know that the modern landscape isn't like that. And Tiger Roll was the shortest priced winner of the Grand National, I think, since 1911. 1919, I think. 1919, was it? Poethlin at 11 to 4. Oh, okay. I was getting that wrong all of yesterday, so I'm glad you've Well, that's what's in the Sunday Mirror. That doesn't mean it's right. That's what's in the Sunday Mirror. Maybe a different version. The Daily Mirror's racing correspondent is much better than the one in the than the one in the Sunday Mirror. Uh, sales four hundred four hundred and forty grand. Somebody paid uh, for in the sale the other day. But the the two headlines out of the sale at Cheltenham were the two horses that ran in the National Outlander and, and Don Polly, who ran for different trainers. Yeah, I mean, it's there, there are positives about this. It's it obviously uh, it's a newsworthy event, isn't it? The the sale and obviously the fact that Don Polly and Outlander were sold and were going to uh, run in the national obviously was covered by all of us because Darren Yates who had had no luck with Black Lion then stepped in no relation. For no, sadly not. No, I wish he was my old man, but uh, sadly I'm probably older than him anyway. Um it's uh, it was it was a good news story, but of course I, I do have a little bit of a problem for the one race that so many people in the nation look at that there are two runners, uh, in this case mm. Phil Kirby and Richard Spencer, who you know have, have, haven't had any time to train the horses. For me, that's that's a bit of a weird thing. And, and I suppose Outlander actually ran pretty well, didn't he? he finished yeah, he did, finished yeah. ninth. Yeah, he, he ran he ran an absolute belter, didn't he? But like you say, it is it, it is a bit weird, isn't it? A bit strange. They've gone to different. They've never actually been in the yards. The horses have come over from Ireland. They probably stayed at Aintree, you know, up until 
up until the race and um you know they'll go home to their res respected trainers um you know after after the race yesterday so it's uh, a little bit weird but i suppose if someone's paid that sort of money for it to have a grand national runner well I suppose if they got that money why not there was quite a, there was quite a lot of chippiness on social media about uh, Darren Yates shelling out the money for yeah, but social awesome. media. I don't, I don't really understand that. Uh, if, he, if he wants the, to buy a horse to run in the Grand National, yeah, well, let why not? Him, if yeah. he's got the money. But social media is the worst thing to happen to the human race in 200 years. I, I like Twitter. I've got a Facebook account that I very rarely use. But it's just full of people chirruping and chipping away and bitching away. Just let them get on with it. At luck on Sunday, if you, uh, if you want to comment on that. Uh, Welfare and, and generally how it was managed during the course of the of the week at Aintree, been very much in the news of late here and and uh, across the pond as well. Uh, Daryl, from from your point of view, just watching on from riding in the races, uh, how would you assess uh, the the efforts over the three days? I think first class. Um, I think they've done a great job. Um, you know, you see all the hosing down areas. You got so many people out on the track. You know, the vets. Um, you know the jockeys, the doctors, the medical staff. Everything is—it's really lifting up a gear. And uh, you know the, the the welfare for these horses um, is very, very good. I mean, you got look at these horses like when they're back in a, they get five stars treatments. You the grooms that look after them every day of the week. These horses are very, very well looked after. Um, and whenever they come to the races, the race courses look after them very, very well. And, and I thought they handled themselves very, very well all week. And so, from your point of view, logistically, everything worked right. You didn't have, you had no, we no had issues. no issues whatsoever. No, I think it was first class. Dave, there was one fatality in the Grand National. Our yep. review and the first was brought down. Dare I say it's an incident that could have happened any time in any in any race. Um, the BHA have asked me to clarify because there have been one or two reports during the rounds. I'm not sure where because I haven't seen them that there might be a, an official review into the race. The BHA have stressed that is absolutely not the case, that they always look at every race and you know, try and think how, how things can always be made better on a, on a constant basis. But there is no specific plan to have any kind of review off the back of that. So that is a non-story. If you've, if you've read it, it's wrong. Yeah, it's, it's the first national fatality, I think, since 2012. Yes, that's correct. Uh, obviously, a lot of modifications have been made in that time. You know, it, it is a fact that when you race, you know, in, in any sport there are injuries and in horse racing when you are racing horses at full tilt on the flat or over obstacles there will be injuries and there will be fatalities. It's, it's very sad but we all participate in the sport believing that the risk management is fair. And risk management and management of welfare and how that brief is, is dealt with will be very much in the in-tray of Anne-Marie Phelps, who is the incoming chair of the British Horse Racing Authority, having occupied a similar position at British Rowing and having been an international athlete in her own right, a rower in her own right, Anne-Marie Phelps, a CBE. Yes. Um, what do we want from... Uh, the new incumbent. Well, I think we, for myself, I would like a front foot, confident, ethical defence of horse racing because I think that over the last uh, few months the BHA has been more inclined uh, to uh, not to do that. And I think that it needs, um, as I say, we, we all sit here and we believe that it's, it's a, a, phrase, a question that James Willoughby often asks, and that is, is racing fair on the horse? I ask, is the life of the, the average thoroughbred worth living? And I think they're essentially about the same question. Um, I think that, that it's incumbent and it's absolutely vital at this point that the BHA 
has a strong, confident, ethical defence of, of essentially horse racing's welfare uh, welfare record because I think it's something that we can defend, that we can be proud of and I think it's very, very, you know, uh, viewers know that I've bored them about the use of the whip in horse racing many times before um, and I think that it's, it's absolutely vital that that is the uh, primary motive of um, of the the incoming chairman. You get a fair bit of chuntering if somebody comes in from outside racing. Oh, what are they going to know about racing? Um, I think in this instance, it's quite significant that the new incumbent has a, a pretty decent track record, and not only that, offers a degree of neutrality in a in what's been a fairly febrile environment between horsemen and, and race courses of late. I think someone who doesn't represent either of those parties is probably the right Yeah, the right I, I don't call. think it's necessarily a bad thing that yeah. Anne-Marie Phelps has, has, has made her name in another sport. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily at all. Uh, let us talk about... Fran Berry, whose retirement uh, has been announced officially at the beginning of last week. I don't think it came as a huge surprise on medical grounds. And he has seamlessly transitioned to being a brilliant pundit on racing TV yesterday at, uh, at Leopardstown, Daryl. Yeah, obviously I didn't get to, to listen to him yesterday, obviously, with, with Andrew being on. But um, the reports that I've heard, um, you know, he's been very, very good. I mean, look, he's, he's obviously an ambassador with, with Skybet, like myself. And, and I've got to know him well since, since he came over from Ireland. Hugely talented rider, lovely guy, um, a gentleman to be around, and uh, you know I'm, I'm sure his transition to television is going to be a massive, massive plus to, to racing TV. And of course, experience of winning at, at the Cheltenham Festival and all those flat yeah. horses. So that's a bit an unusual, um, unusual but very successful career. He's a super rider. Um, always has been. You know, his his balance on top of horses um, was exceptional, and and a lot of horses they, they ran really, really well for him and. Uh, Look, it's really sad that he's he's had to retire on, on medical grounds and stuff like that. But um, as he said, look, the injury could have been a lot worse. He was lucky. Um, you know, falling on the all-weather, is it's mm. it's not a nice feeling. I mean, we obviously jump and we've got schooling trips on the all-weather. And when horses fall on that, you know, at schooling pace, it's not nice. Never mind doing 35, 40, whatever miles an hour they're doing. So, you know, he was lucky, but... Um, a super talent. He'll be he'll be missed around here, and I know I'll miss him. Being being part of the Skybet ambassadors, I'll miss him. And you and you, uh, people clearly enjoy his company. Oh, I loved his. You know, I I got to meet him quite a few times, doing little bits and pieces with with Skybet and stuff like that. And uh, I've always had great fun with him whenever um, whenever I've seen him. Yeah. And you you talk about injuries to jockeys, and I think this will just seamlessly segue into our next talking point as the clock runs out on this one, because I want to just stay with you on this. Barry Garrity broke his tibia and his um, fibula in a, a fall at entry of, from Peregrine Run in the Topham Chase. Missed the Grade 1 on chat, missed the run on Annabelle Fly in the Grand National. And immediately he's done that. People are saying, right, is he going to call it a day? Is he going to quit? So immediately he said, I'm back in... Three months ago, yeah. yeah. It's an interesting psychology for jockeys when they get to a certain point in their career and get a nasty injury, isn't it? Because everyone's essentially finishing him off. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, Barry's a super rider. Very, very strong, and uh, you know, I, I no doubt about it. He's he's only got one thing on his mind, and you know, that's getting back ASAP. Obviously, he's going to be unlucky. He's going to miss, you know, Punchestown and Fairyhouse, which are massive meetings over there, and he's going to miss the end of Sandown, the the last day over here as well. But you know, no Barry, no Barry. I mean, he's only got one thing in his mind, and he's wanting to get back ASAP. But it's it's just. It's interesting the reaction of, of of senior riders when they when they get injured. We've seen it with Ruby a few times when he's had a 
a leg break normally. It's, I'm going to be back straight away. They'll give you a target for their return. Yeah, I suppose mentally that that's something that sportsmen have to do, isn't it? Mm. Because you know, if you if you sit back and say, "Well, I don't know. Let's see," you know, how things go. That's 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 not the the mental makeup of of someone who um, who prospers in a in a sporting environment. Um, I mean, I think you know, the, it's an understandable question in terms of. Uh, Barry Gerrity's injury, he's 39 years old, and it's a sad fact that when you get into your late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, um, these physical problems just take longer, the body takes longer to recover. So I understand it. Um, I equally understand the fact that he's setting himself a target to be back and that um, he will be back. He's got one of the best jobs in racing, so why wouldn't he... um, why wouldn't he want that job for as long as he, he possibly can have it? Um, with Fran Berry, I would like to say that um, he was an... Un- in my dealings with him as a jockey was an unfailingly pleasant guy to deal with. Uh, and I'm sorry that his career in the saddle is finished, but I'm glad that uh, he'll be uh, gracing our screens in the future. And he will be on Luck on Sunday a week from now. Fran Berry, so looking forward to welcoming him to the show. Uh, festivals, finally, uh, and the proximity between Cheltenham and Aintree. I mean, they weren't cheek by jowl, but there was a week less between them than there was last year, Daryl. Easter gets in the way, that's the problem. Easter <laughs> essentially affects where everything is. Is there anything we can do? Can we just, just say, right, the Grand National's going to be on the second Saturday in April, first Saturday in April, and doesn't matter whether it's Easter or not, or I don't know. Well, that's the problem is if you've got with, with, with the public and Easter holidays and, and, and everything. I mean, it's Ideally, you'd like a bigger gap because obviously you've seen us at, um, at Aintree over the weekend some of the, the real stars that Cheltenham they've underperformed um, at Aintree and stuff like that. And, and Cheltenham, you know, it takes an awful lot out of horses. I mean, horses are geared up for that one big day at, at Cheltenham Festival and then, you know, they go to the high, they win, they go through the high, the you know, everything, and then they've got to come down again. And then they got to, the trainers got to mm. refresh them up and regroup them up to, for three weeks' time for Aintree. It's not an easy task, really isn't. And um, you know, if you had a little bit longer in between, and it, it, it would most definitely help the you know the injury horses. But unfortunately, what can you do about it? March the twelfth to April the fourth is twenty-three days by my mm-hmm. mathematics. It's it's obviously an unsatisfactory situation where champions, where if they underperform, that you're not just saying well he wasn't good enough, but you're saying well he was feeling he left the race. Yeah. Um, but now, more than ever, we've got the celebration meeting at Sandown that's, that's got more sort of bang to its buck. Obviously, Punchestown as well. We've got those sort of three and a half festivals. Makes life much more difficult. And also, the, the ability of the, the athlete to, to bounce back from uh, stern tests like that, it's not an alien concept, is it? The American mm. Triple Crown, isn't no. it? Six well, that's weeks. That's what makes it. That's what is, makes it so creditable when a horse can do it. From the Kentucky Derby to the Belmont, it's, isn't uh, it? Two weeks. For, yeah, it's five weeks. Five weeks. It's there you two go. weeks to the Derby, the Prince, and three weeks. And that's the, that's the, the that's the very essence yeah. of that test, isn't it? It's presumably whether a horse can stay ten and twelve and do it in five six weeks. Those were this week's talking points. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai.